Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the O Show podcast, episode 448 of the show, Thanksgiving edition. It is Turkey Day here in 2021. For the first time ever, we are doing a repeat segment, repeat location. We are on Zoom today. Not necessarily. You're in Jersey. This is still technically a very different location for you. You're back back home. You're out west in Arizona, in Chandler, Arizona, which is said to be the nicest part of Arizona. Everyone that I talk to says that Chandler, Arizona is the most p- pleasant place to live. It's very nice. Very nice. Very I nice was telling you area. beforehand, uh, Sean V. Bradley, who we had on the show, episode 440, mm-hmm. if you guys want to check it out on YouTube, uh, he had a buddy named Peter Myroff, who's going to come on the show uh, in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for that. He lives out in Scottsdale. And I was talking to his wife a little bit. Like, do you miss Scottsdale? It was like 10 degrees in Philly the other night when we were at the premiere. Oh, my God. He's like, nah, we live in Chandler. It's nice. I'm not in Scottsdale life. Chandler is where it's at. So you're in Chandler. I'm in Jersey. Uh, we'll make it look pretty, though. You'll put a nice turkey in the background or something. Oh, tur- I can put turkeys in the background? All right. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll have fun with this. I'll you know, I was prepared. You know, Thanksgiving feast, I'm in my suit, my suit, my dress shirt, and my jacket. You're in your flannel, the grunge look. Go Lopes. Lopes look. up. Go lo- Lopes up. But it is uh, week what is it, week 12 of the NFL this week? Yes, I believe that is correct. I believe that is we correct. We got three Thanksgiving feasts on our way, starting yes. with the Bears and Lions, the Cowboys and the Raiders, and then the Bills and the Saints on Sunday night football. Yep. I am a I am a giver. I'm not a taker. You mm-hmm. asked me uh, what the picks were going to be this week. I allowed you to go first, so I'm going to allow you, because I sabotaged all three of your picks last week, I'm going to allow you to go first today. How does that well, sound? Well, amazing, because you set up my first part amazingly. Thank you. So first, we got to do the or- Oracle review, and the title title of this week is 5 of 13. No more Oracle. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> if Jack wasn't a cheater. So, I, a little behind-the-scenes peek for everyone. For the past four weeks, when, you know, the Oracle's been looking a little rough, it's because he didn't get the first pick of his games. Joel Jackie boy got to pick the first games, and, you know, so uh, my options were limited. But, you know, he was kind to me. He realized, you know, we need to get the fans back engaged. Let's get the Oracle on there, so... I got my games first. I'll go. We'll do the back and forth thing, but I'll start. But just know I picked them first. Audience, little behind the scenes info for you guys, and uh, I'll go with my uh, first game. You mentioned it. Uh, let's see. There it is. Yep, Tampa minus three at the Colts. I am going not only to pick for the Colts to cover. I am picking the Colts to uh, win, and I am going the over on fifty-three for that game. Wow, so you think that this Peyton and Eli curse is, like, for shizzle. Like, that is the real deal. Because Tom Brady hasn't won a game since then. He hasn't won a game since he's been on that show. Is that true? I didn't even know that. They were 6-1. and He went on the show that they've lost the last two weeks. Did they win last week? No, they're 6 No, no, they they did. They did Monday night against the Giants. That doesn't really count. It's the New York Giants. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That's why I say, yeah. Colts right. bounce well, back. That's kind of a give me win. That's that's mm-hmm. kind of like the worst team in your fantasy league and be like, all right, I got this week. I could mm-hmm. literally see three players and still win the game. So that doesn't really count. But yeah, I'm, I'm honestly kind of shocked that they're only uh, covering the spread by three against the Indianapolis. It Colts. is in Indiana, and Colts have won five of their last six, and they dominantly beat Buffalo in Buffalo last week, which again, Buffalo is. Now, looking not as good of a team as we thought they were earlier on the season, but that's still an impressive win, and they've looked really good since that rough start to the season. Yeah, I still, I think, like, I don't think that they uh, are quite nearly competition to the Tennessee Titans. Still the best team in the AFC, which is stunning. After, even after that Texans loss, they're still the number one seed. It was a, it was a bad loss, but, you know, tight, Titans still holding on to that one seed out in the AFC for now at least. I mean, there's a few teams. I mean, Patrick Mahomes looked great against the Cowboys. We got to talk about that a little bit. I picked the over at like 56 in that game last week, and uh, neither quarterback lived up to the potential. Yeah, I don't think I hit a single over under 
uh, in an NFL game last week. The scores were very different than what I expected. In a lot and you of took credit for it. You took the accountability right out of the gate. You took the initiative and said, like, I can't BS this. Everybody's going to know. Like, I was not <laughs> Oracle, Oracle at all this week. Uh, I, I got to come out and face the music head on. You were not an Oracle at all. I have never once called myself an Oracle. I never put that pressure on myself. But you did right off the bat, and now you're taking the initiative, taking the accountability, taking the and saying, I, I'm not an Oracle at all. So uh, before you do your first game, got a little sidetracked, uh, are you uh, with that uh, pick at all in terms of both the co- uh, the cover, the win, and the uh, over-under? Are you uh, any disagreements on my pick? I'm definitely taking the over. I disagree. I respectfully disagree on the outcome. Uh, okay. I mean, the Colts winning the game, it wouldn't shock me, but if I, if I were a betting man, Tom Brady's lost – Two of his last three games, I mean, the confidence boost to win against the New York Giants, but anybody could have done it. Mm-hmm. I think that this week is going to be a good week for Tom Brady and the Bucks. I think they're going to prove, like, we are not messing around in this. Do the NFL Colts week. cover, though? Do the Colts cover? The Colts cover. Game? The Colts, I think, okay. cover. I think, like you said, like, their confidence is up right now. I think their offense is shooting on all cylinders. But at the same time, you got to look at Tom Brady and this Bucks offense. If we lose another game, we are not considered, like, Dak Prescott, and the Cowboys proved against the Chiefs on the road that they are not Super Bowl contenders. Are they NFC champions? Sure. Why not? In the worst division in the NFC, anybody with a winning record to win that division. When you look at the Eagles, even though they've played well recently, the Giants, the Washington football team, they're not a great division. The, the NFC South, uh, equally not as a competitive of a, of a division, even though the New Orleans Saints, the Carolina Panthers, they're in the mix, but not yeah, really. there. I think that Tom Brady needs a win this week to prove that they're still hunters in the NFC uh, or in the NFC in general, because Aaron Rodgers is still kicking ass, even though they got beat in a very, very competitive game against the Minnesota yes. Vikings on Sunday. Probably in Minnesota. In my in my opinion, I thought Kirk Cousins obviously uh, outshot Aaron Rodgers offensively, even though they were toe to toe, a 34-31 win uh, in the final moments of that game-winning field goal in the final seconds. Uh, then you look at Kyler Murray and and the Cardinals. Hopefully, he's back healthy next week. Colt mm-hmm. McCoy was uh, more than exceptional against the Seattle Seahawks on the road in Seattle last week uh, to bump them up another win. And then of course. You're looking at the Cardinals. You're looking at the Packers, the Cowboys, the Bucks. It's a very competitive NFC uh, division compared to the AFC. Tom Brady needs a win this week, I think, to uh, prove that they are still the mega, the mecca of, of the NFC All right. uh, compared All right. to Aaron Rodgers and Kyler Murray. We respect it. All right, let's hear your first uh, first pick of the world. So we got a Thanksgiving feast, Thursday night football, the New Orleans Saints hosting the Buffalo Bills, and the Bills have the spread by five. You know, they have mm-hmm. minus five in this game. The over-under is 45 in the game. I thought the Saints, uh, they were looking pretty decent up until last week in Philly at Lincoln Financial, where uh, the offense looked great. The defense, not so great. You know, the Eagles put up 40-plus on Sunday. Uh, I think the Bills easily, uh, they are the only rival to Bill Belichick and Mac Jones of the New England Patriots for the AFC title. And again, there's still so much time left in the season. It didn't look like they were going to compete at all. But now the New England Patriots are in the mix all of a sudden. You've said it before off camera. We've talked about it in the studio. Mm -hmm. The New England Patriots are legit contenders for the AFC title this year the way that they've played over the past three or four weeks. I think it's going to be a much more competitive game offensively than people think, but I do think that the the Bills will cover the spread by five. I'm going the under on 45. I made my mistake of going over 56 in the Cowboys-Chiefs game with Dak and Patrick. I thought they were going to have a, a field day offensively. Was not the case at Arrowhead. This is going to be in a dome, though, on Thursday night on Thanksgiving. I still think that it's going to be under at 45. I think both offenses perform well, just not that well. I think the at the end of the day, this is going to come down to, um, I'd say, a 10-point game between the Oh, Bills. so Saints aren't covering that spread. I got Bills over at five. So Saints aren't covering that spread. I don't they're... think they're covering the spread. I think the Bills do, though. Wow. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to go with. Yeah, I have no disagreements there whatsoever. I definitely think of the Bills you swim by I am the six of the show. Under. Uh, yeah, no, I, I like that. Saints just been too wishy-washy. So have the Bills, but I just think I think 
the offense won't be that as quite as good even in the dome. And uh, I think the Bills get at least a, a decent sized, you know, at least, you know, a two field goal, one touchdown sort of victory, solid victory, and Saints don't cover the spread. So I like that one. All right. Second pick I have Steelers plus, we nope, wrong one. There we go. Raiders plus nine at. 18T, the Cowboys. I believe this is also a turkey game. Uh, you know, you're going to like me for this. Uh, well, I think you'll like me for this. Uh, I don't think the Raiders cover. I think the Cowboys win by at least 10, and uh, I'm going with the over, 51 and a half. I think Dak and company have a bounce-back game, and uh, they between them and whatever offense they're car musters, both teams get over that 51 and a half over, and Dallas wins by at least 10 points. Raiders don't cover the spread. I agree. I, I don't think it's going to be a shootout, but I definitely think the Cowboys uh, go away with this one in easy fashion. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Raiders, especially on the road, uh, cover that game whatsoever. I think mm-hmm. the Dallas Cowboys have proven well enough this season that they are home contenders. A 45-3 mm-hmm. to three win against the Atlanta Falcons two weeks ago. Again, at Arrowhead on the road against a very, very impressive Patrick Mahomes offense, even though they have not played well this year and they did not play well specifically in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dak Prescott and that uh, Mike McCarthy offense proved that it's just not – they're not – serious contenders i hate saying it they're gonna win the nfc east by landslide they're seven and three now they they can't win when it matters the most i'm a dallas cowboys fan seen it for the past decade right uh but again a thanksgiving feel good win at home on thanksgiving before you know week 13 i i completely agree with you i don't think the the uh, the derrick carr's offense is well equipped enough to pull off an upset at AT at&t in the big d in dallas texas Mm -hmm. Come You're going Thursday. with the over on that one, the 51 and a half, or going the under? I'm going to go under. The way they okay. performed last week shows me, like, okay, 45 against Atlanta at home in a dome, and then you put up literally, what was it, nine? Nine, 12, nine points. Nine against uh, Kansas City on the road. It was only 57 degrees. It wasn't yeah. that. Good. No, it wasn't, it wasn't a snowball by any For means. Kansas City in November, that was a pretty, pretty good uh, pretty good game to Brother play. Game, in that yeah. press you just flat out didn't perform. I'm going to go under, though. So you don't need – those teams don't muster enough offense. All right. No, I, I think they have the potential to go over on that. I'm not picking mm-hmm. the over. I don't have enough right. confidence. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Let's hear your second game of the week. My second game of the week, probably, arguably, two of the most mediocre teams in the NFL, oh, the New York Jets, you. taking on Houston Texans out in the Big H. Uh, I think the Jets have uh, – they're the underdogs by two and a half. The spread yes, because Houston is just coming – yeah, Houston is just coming off a win versus the Titans. So Right. Again, really like, oh, my goodness. Like, the Titans are the best team in the AFC record-wise. I don't think they're the strongest. I think when it's all said and done come week 17, you're going to realize the AFC is up for grabs without Derrick Henry. And mm-hmm. that I agree. Offense. I think the Houston Texans proved that by actually competing, let alone competing. They actually won the game against the Titans, who are currently the one seed. But the the Texans are the two-and-a-half-point favorite. They have the under at 44-and-a-half. I'm going to pick the under at 44-and-a-half against these two offenses just because, like, I don't I don't trust either two teams. Offensively, defensively, overall, again, two of the most mediocre teams in the NFL uh, going into week 12 between these two teams on Sunday afternoon. I'm going to say, though, I will give the Jets the benefit of the doubt. The Houston Texans are riding high. They're still a bad team. Don't get too high, Zach. But I, I'm picking the Jets to win this game against the Houston Not Texans. just cover, but to win? I'll get no fights. I'll give you the under. We can just move on from this. I'm a happy boy. Yes. I'm going to give you the miracle on Sunday. I'm, I'm, uh, picking, them on the, I'm picking them on the under, and I, I am picking the Jets uh, to beat the Houston Texans in Houston, Texas on Sunday. All right. No, no qualms for me. I love to hear that. So thank you very much. I'll give us that a Thanksgiving gift. Happy day. Thanksgiving, Zach. There we go. All right. So my third and final NFL pick of the week is we mentioned them several times on this broadcast. Uh, Titans uh, plus six and a half at New England. You know that these past three weeks, I've been saying both on and off air, I'm really high on the Patriots right now. Not Mike Jones, but the Patriots overall, I'm very high on. I think we both agree that 
Tennessee was, you know, looking really good, but as soon as they lost Derrick Henry, it just, you know, they're they're just not the same team. And so even even at a six and a half point spread, I don't think the Titans cover. I think the Patriots easily win by at least a touchdown. And um, but I don't think either offense is amazing. So I'm going with the uh, under at 44 for this game. I choose. I would choose the under at 44 as well. I, for whatever reason, I feel I just after the Cowboys game last week, I'm like, <laughs> literally, it doesn't matter how good your offense is. I'm like, everybody has a bad week. This could be mm-hmm. their bad week. I'm, I'm choosing the under on this game if I'm a betting man. I'm trying to save money mm-hmm. here. I, I'm going to go the under as well. But I totally agree on every other aspect that you just said regarding mm-hmm. this game. Yeah, we don't absolutely. agree much either. This is this no. Is the past two weeks, we've been at more of an agreement though. It's the holiday season, man. Come January, it's all out the window. All right, before we get to college football, let's hear your final NFL pick of the week. Final pick. I talked about how abysmal abysmal the NFC East is. It's the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the New York Giants. Uh, they are, are – who's home in that game? I think it's the Giants and, Met, and MetLife. So they, they're the underdogs at three. So okay. the Eagles are covering the spread at three. The over-unders at 44 um, – or 46, I should say – in that game between the Giants and the Eagles, they're known to have shootouts. It doesn't matter if it's the Michael Vick era, the Jalen Hurts era, the Eli Manning era, the Joe mm-hmm. Judge era. It doesn't matter. Uh, I, teams I'm going to go the over in that game between the Giants and the Eagles. I really don't care what the outcome is. Neither does the rest <laughs> of the National Football League and Roger Goodell because it's not going to matter at the end of the season. Uh, but both teams, uh, even last week, did you see Jalen Hurts just break the ankle of that one defensive lineman? It was for that so final cool. score in yeah. the fourth quarter. That was great. The Eagles, the Eagles really showed uh, great offensive promise against the, the New Orleans Saints at Lincoln Financial in Philly last weekend. They've shown great promise over the past three or four weeks. Yeah, they they've, they've turned it around. Nick, Nick Sariani has got control of that locker room and started to turn things around. Remember when they played the Detroit Lions and it was like worst teams in the league fighting to not be the worst team in the league? And now the since Eagles then they blew since that blowout of Detroit, they have looked really good since that blowout of Detroit. Like it's a, I mean the NFC is loaded, like we've said before multiple times in this podcast mm-hmm. already. The Eagles are still technically in what they call in the hunt. You know, they're not. Yeah, they're they're, they're only I think half a game, either a half a game or one game behind Carolina for the seventh seed. So they still definitely have a chance. They're looking really good, and against the Giants, it doesn't matter if it's at Lincoln Financial or if it's at MetLife. You know, like it, it looks. So yeah, I'm guessing good. the Giants don't cover. I'm guessing you're like, what, Eagles went comfortably in your opinion, then, right? I'm in guessing. my opinion, I mean, they are the the favorites by three. The over at 46. I'm picking the over at 46. I think they cover at three. No, no doubt. The way yeah, that they're mm. playing against, I mean, the Giants. Come on, man. The Giants. The New York football giant. Yeah, I, I hundred. Yeah, no, no argument from me. I agree with the over. I agree. Eagles solid victory. Giants do not cover that spread. I absolutely am agreeing with you on that one. So, all right. So before we get to our halftime, we have two ranked college football uh, games this week. So the first one is Ohio State uh, minus seven and a half favorite uh, at the uh, Big House, Michigan. Uh, this is this is Jim Harbaugh's moment. That most people are saying the winner of this game is pretty much guaranteed a college football playoff spot. So this is big for both programs, but especially for old uh, old Harbaugh down there. And uh, the uh, the over under is sixty three and a half. Uh, I'm predicting uh, Michigan will cover. Ohio State will win, but it's a you know it's within a one touch. I think it'll be a a one touchdown game. So I think Michigan at least covers, even though they lose. And uh, I'm going uh, the over uh, 63 and a half. I'm going to go over at 63 and a half. And I do think Michigan covers. I agree with you. Ohio state will win the football game. You're, you're more of a college game day guy than myself, but mm-hmm. I do know historically Ohio state takes care of Michigan on Thanksgiving weekend. Correct. Uh, at least in recent history, at least in the, Jim Harbaugh era and in the like pre Jim Harbaugh for at least the past decade it has been for historically speaking I think it's rather even when you go like to the history of these programs like in the in totality but in this century it has been pretty lopsided for Ohio State this century at least in the rivalry has not been great for no I mean the, the game itself every year I feel like is very competitive 
Oh my God. Like these two teams are elite for a reason, but Ohio well, state always seems to yeah, get a little bit over the top mm-hmm. almost every single year, whether it be in Michigan, whether it be in Ohio state in Columbus, like it's literally every year. I feel like the Buckeyes trump the, the Wolverines by at least a little bit. I've seen some great overtime games. I've seen some great last minute drive games with the, between the two on, on the Saturday after Thanksgiving, but it seems like every single year, the Buckeyes just find a way to get the edge over Michigan. Yeah, it has definitely been pretty rough for, um, for the Michigan in this rivalry for at least the past decade, if not a little even longer than that. And, it's a big thing for Jim Harbaugh. He fought, he signed the extension this weekend too to stay stay longer. And you know he he lost to Michigan State. He lost the in-state rival this year. Luckily, they but he in the latest college football playoff they got ranked fifth. So if they win against Ohio State and then they just clean up business against either Minnesota or whoever comes out of the other division in the Big Twelve championship game, that. It doesn't matter that you lost to Michigan State. You're Big 12 champion, and you get a spot in the conference playoff. This this is Jim Harbaugh's moment. This is his chant to cement that the Michigan alumni and the boosters are making the right decision by extending them. So I don't think he'll end up pulling it off, but I am I agree with you. I think it'll be a very exciting, exciting, fun game to watch. It always is, and like you like you said it, pinpoint right there. This is Jim Harbaugh's game. It's either you know, put up or shut up. Yes. For him, mm-hmm. with his contract extension, right? Like Jim yeah. Harbaugh has always been the number one question when it comes to that football program. Like, does mm-hmm. he deserve it? This is the game that you play for every year. I feel like if you're if you're a football star in that Wolverines program, like Absolutely. forget the national championship, forget any Beat Ohio State. Beating Ohio State Thanksgiving weekend, this is the game you play for every year. This is the rivalry game, and it's at home. You got you got the big house behind you this year, so. All right, so there's that one. And then um, another pretty big rivalry game. It's not a lot of, a lot of fun uh, early games in terms of the other ranked mat, the second ranked matchup uh, this week. Oklahoma, four and a half point dogs at Oklahoma State. Uh, it is a, a 49 over under. I am predicting the over at 49. I think Oklahoma State wins by at least five. I don't think Oklahoma covers. I think Oklahoma State, maybe not a blow, but like Oklahoma's kind of looked, you know, after their loss, their pretty bad loss to Baylor and their rough games against Nebraska and other not so great Big 12 teams. I think we know what Oklahoma is. And Oklahoma State has looked amazing these past three weeks. So they might even sneak into the cultural play if they run the table against uh, Oklahoma and Baylor. Surprisingly, and I think Oklahoma State, uh, I'm over at four, over under, looking the over at 49, and I think Oklahoma State uh, wins by at least five, and Oklahoma does not cover the spread. I agree with you on the over, but I'm kind of stunned. Even though they've played really well the last three weeks, I'm stunned that the Cowboys are the favorites over the Sooners. Mm-hmm. That, that honestly shocks me a little bit. I mean, Oklahoma. It is, at, it is, it is at the Cowboys. It is at Oklahoma State this year. I mean, I guess and, that gives them the edge a little bit, but that's still a, a wide spread for them to be the favorites against a very formidable Oklahoma team that has proven time in and time again that they could they, turn it around in a in an instant. Yeah, they've made the playoff. They've, they've made the playoff still a number of years. Just that loss to Baylor looked really bad, especially because Baylor – then proceeded to lose the next week. And so Baylor's not even impressive. It's just, you kind of, you just don't know what Oklahoma, because I think the thing is Oklahoma is really bad at starting games this year. They've been one of the worst first half teams. They've been a really good second half team. They've been one of the worst first half teams, not just in like the like top, like 25, the ranked teams in like power five conferences, one of just the worst first half teams, like in all the football and all of college football. And so, I don't know if you can afford to be that bad in the first half against an Oklahoma State team that's cooking that much, but we'll see. I mean, they've been cooking the last three weeks, like you said, so I understand that. I, I think it is going to be clearly over, what would you say, 49? 49. Mm-hmm. Or I think it's going to be way over that. Oh, this is going to be an offensive shootout between these two offenses. So you're picking Oklahoma to cover? or I'm picking, to- Oklahoma, to co- I'm picking Oklahoma to cover, and I'm picking them to win. I honestly, oh. as, well as, as well as they have played, I'm picking a big upset on the road. And I, to me, like I'll say it's an upset just for the sake of 
camaraderie. It is by the biggest odds. My bets up. Bet online. It's it's an it's an upset by our own. Maybe it's not an upset. I think they're way more formidable than uh, than Vegas has given them credit for. All right, but we'll see. We'll see. You'll see. Well, that concludes the first half of our show, which means it's time for. The, the Michael Sarah halftime report. report. Cue the Michael Sarah halftime report graphic. Uh, what's cooking on this Thanksgiving Thursday when it comes to Michael Sarah? Do you know his plans? Is he so, spending so. time with the family? Is he spending time with the cousins, the in-laws, Jonah Hill? So uh, for this week for Thanksgiving, uh, it said like you know just things we're things we're thankful for, things we're appreciative of. I don't know how you feel about the band, but what's your opinion on Weezer? Dude, that was... <laughs> we were talking before how I had a little tidbit about Michael Sarah. That's exactly it. Okay, I have another one. I'll let you tell it then. So I have another tidbit. I'll let you go with this one then. Michael Sarah, uh, he what, he performed a song in the background. He was, he back, he was the backup vocalist. player in a song on one of their records. I'll let yes. you tell. You have probably more information in front of yeah, you. Yeah, I I can't remember the album name, but I know it was the Weezer's song "Hands On." He was the lead backup vocalist, so he was, and I believe not anyone toward them, but I believe he even backed up at least one of their things for that album that "Hands On" was featured on. But give "Hands On" a listen to when you're listening to like. When the lead vocals die down, you just listen to the backup vocals. Just know that's our that's our boy Michael Sarah's majestic voice that you're hearing in that. Yeah, I'm a big song. Weezer guy. Like I was honestly mm-hmm. stunned when I first saw that. Looking on Wikipedia, the album, the record is Hurley. It was released in 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, if you don't know Weezer, you're a loser. But if you don't <laughs> know Weezer, the genre alternative slash indie rock band, uh, they do a lot of mm-hmm. great covers, a lot of great cover albums of a lot of stuff too. I got to see them before the pandemic last year. The song is entitled Hang On, just so people know. Hang On by Weezer on their record Hurley that was released in 2010. Uh, Michael Sarah doing doing some background uh, instrumentals um, for, for Rivers Cuomo and, and his gig. Yeah, all fun. right. So that's the one. So that's a little tidbit. We have a second little tidbit before don't, we end Don't it. you worry. We have a lot more in store for our Michael Sarah halftime report. So uh, interestingly enough, not quite as far back. This is a 2013 story. So in 2013, Michael Sarah uh, was cast, uh, decided to help uh, in a, a Spanish script for a Spanish film that he was really interested in. And so he was doing that but it was native language. It was going to be a Spanish film. And he's not a native speaker. And he, you know, by the time he was, you know, 17, he was on Arrested Development. Like he just not like in college or in high school, he was really, you know, spending a lot of time in school. So he didn't have, so he didn't know it. So over, I couldn't get an exact date on production details, but it was anywhere between six to 10 months of pre-production. He uh, studied Spanish five hours a day, every day, and was able to and spoke fluent Spanish for the film. Uh, let's see, what was the film title? If I have it here, Magic Magic. Uh, it's a 2013 film. Uh, I can't, I'm going to butcher the director's last name, but the, so I won't even try. It's a uh, Salvador Sadi. If I'm pronouncing that correctly, that's probably horrible, but. Uh, real interesting uh, film it's in, Sp- in Spanish, Magic Magic I'd make sure you know, but I just thought that was kind of incredible because, you know, we talked about, you know, in some of these other Michael Sarah Hattie Report segments that, you know, as much of an entertainer as he is, you know, we don't see him as one of those actors that, you know, you know, does that super dedication to the role and even though this was, you know, not a big role, you know, dedicating that much time to learning a whole nother language just so you can be a part of a script that you feel passionate about I, th- I thought that was kind of incredible. So I just thought that was a unique little story from him. I mean, when you're passionate about anything, you'll, you'll pursue anything. Like I, I think, I think that's very, very impressive though. That's something that someone can easily say like, Oh, I want to learn Spanish. I want to learn Japanese. I want to learn Korean. And within the first 15 minutes of trying to be disciplined enough to learn the language, you're like, why do I need to know this? Like, this is so frustrating. You know, mm-hmm. I've been there before. I tried to learn Japanese before and it was difficult. Hopefully one day we get to take a trip to Tokyo. Our friend is going out there at some point. Yes. Uh, yes. Hopefully we get to visit him. So that, that'd be cool. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's a very impressive and kind of inspiring what he did mm-hmm. in order Absolutely. to prepare for that role. Given that it was only going to be, well, how long was the movie? Hour 30, two, two hours? I, believe if I have the runtime 
correctly. It was standard drama, so I believe a little over two hours, but I think it was 126 minutes. If I'm getting that, that's not, that's not super exact. Don't quote me on that, but it was around that 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 runtime. So two hours six minutes, if I'm getting mm-hmm. the map correctly. I mean that yeah. that's impressive mm-hmm. for Michael Sarah too. Like it, again, it's not like a huge box office attraction. Mm-hmm. But something no, see, it was a passion about. project. It definitely wasn't, you know, yeah. big paycheck or anything. And that's why we love and appreciate Michael Sarah. That's why we dedicate an entire segment of this segment to Michael Sarah. Yep, and uh, that was this week's Michael, Michael Sarah halftime, halftime report. report. Cue out the Michael Sarah halftime report graphic Thanksgiving edition. What do we got for the second half, Zach? So we have two interesting subjects I wanted to get your opinion on uh, in the in the sports news worlds for the second half. First one, NBA related, uh, not not about they, not about like how well teams are doing right now. Even though the Suns, after tonight, fourteen game winning streak, looking like one of the hottest teams in the NBA. But that's not the subject for for tonight. Tonight we're talking about the Lakers Detroit Pistons game from a couple uh, days ago, where. Uh, LeBron got suspended a game, and Isaiah Stewart got suspended two games. And if people don't know the context for a story, I'll sort of explain. So I believe it was late in the second quarter, uh, if, I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. It, when there was a foul shot, Lakers were down by a lot. And Isaiah Stewart and LeBron James were jockeying for position on the uh, foul line. And LeBron James, a little frustrated, takes his, takes his hand like that and just closed fist just Wishes like wishes him like that. I'll, I'll we'll put footage on screen so that you guys can judge for yourself whether it was intentional or not. I will. I won't give my opinion yet on that. But cleans him right in the mouth and like right above his eye, and it starts gashing blood open. Like he is bleeding profusely. I believe they said he needed four, four either four or six stitches uh, for it. And Isaiah Stewart um, just starts going crazy. He starts charging at LeBron multiple times. He tries to run through the tunnel for it. And it's significant at Detroit because the last time Detroit was involved in an incident like this was Malice in the Palace in 2004 when a, when a fan threw a bottle at Ron Ar- at, at that point, Ron Artest, now Metal World Peace. He came up in the fans, Ben Wallace, and a bunch of other Detroit players and Pacers players joined in a huge brawl that involved fans. So the league was very harsh. Immediately ejected both players. LeBron, only LeBron's second ejection of his career. Uh, he gets he got suspended. Didn't get to play Madison Square Garden this year against the Knicks. And uh, Isaiah Stewart, the I believe rookie center for Detroit, suspended two games. Uh, I was curious on your opinion on both the punishment, whether you thought LeBron, the intent of LeBron, uh, like whether you think the punishment was fair, and like sort of Isaiah Stewart's mental, um, reaction and how justified you think that is. I'm just curious on your I think that the suspension is fair, whether it was something that was intentional or something that just kind of escalated. Because obviously that there was a disagreement. There was a brawl that took mm-hmm. place. Right? Like just alone in that fact, people should have been suspended. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I saw that, I thought just like you, the, the Ron Artest situation from yeah. 20 plus years ago. You ever see that documentary? About Malice in the Palace? Yes. It's an incredible, yeah. credible documentary. It literally brought me back because I watched that documentary a few months ago, and that literally, I'm like, oh, Detroit, Malice in the Palace. Like, there it mm. is right there. Uh, completely agree with the suspension. Uh, I also agree with uh, both LeBron and Stewart's mentality going into it because it, regardless of what you think, what anybody thinks, whether you're a LeBron supporter, a LeBron hater, mm-hmm. um, from both ends of the spectrum here, both these guys have massive egos. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't think that there's any argument there. Like, you could be the biggest LeBron fan, you'd be the biggest Stewart fan. I literally think from a player standpoint, a business standpoint, just an entire brand standpoint. Both these guys have massive egos. There's a lot of testosterone on the line here. I think both these guys in the heat of the moment um, just thought that they were offended in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. From what was going on. So I I definitely look at it from that perspective, looking at an outsider thinking like, were they in the wrong? Maybe. Was someone more right than the other? I don't know. Not for me to say. But I think both of these guys at, at their level, from what both of them have accomplished, LeBron more so, mm-hmm. I think both of them just, I think a little ego got in the way. I think a little pride got in the way. And I think from from both sides, both 
players make compelling arguments. And I think that the suspension of only being, what was it, one game? It's one game for LeBron, two games for Isaiah Stewart. Yeah, I think that that's manageable for both mm. for both coaching staffs and and the players alike because yeah. that, that, that's not a that's not a big stretch if you no, especially in an eighty two game season no. no and I, I'm kind of with you on on that so my full opinion is I think LeBron definitely meant to give a hard hit I don't think he wanted to go for the face I definitely think he was oh. he was he was trying to because he, he's close fist he looks at him I definitely think he was trying to almost like give him a knock on the chest, like sort of like a little, a little rough, a little, a little dirty, but I don't think he was definitely do that. And granted, I get the league, the league has to, because of the mouse pass situation, he, you know, was charging through, he tried to run through the tunnel. Like you can't have that behavior. So I get why you spend Isaiah Stewart more, but I'm also not going to be mad at him. I was like bleeding profusely, like from my eyes or someone just sucker punched me in a game. And I'm a center. Isaiah Stewart's a rookie center. LeBron's a made man. Isaiah Stewart even though he looks like he can be very good, he can be like a nice, good enforcer. You know, he's a rookie on a not very good Detroit team right now. He's a center. Uh, he just like, I'm not going to get mad at him as he's bleeding for getting that visceral anger. When you're bleeding that profusely, when you have so much more to prove, I'm not going to get angry at him. But and then like with you, I agree. You just you can't promote this as a league out down standard. So I'm, I'm with you 100% on both the punishment and the how I feel towards both players. Yeah, I mean, if you pushed it any further, I think that there would be um, a lot of naysayers, maybe even lawsuits involved. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Both parties. I think I think it's a fair a fair predicament, a fair punishment on both sides. Mm-hmm. Maybe Stewart could argue a little bit more than LeBron, but LeBron's got nothing to complain about in my in my yeah mind. one game. You you would argue maybe Stewart only deserved one game. He should have only deserved the same as LeBron. You could you could argue, but other than that, so. Yeah, so that's that's our first. And then our final subject for the show today is a story that broke just earlier uh, today, at least got finalized today. So the NFL and the Rams have finally settled their lawsuit with the city of St. Louis for a total of $790 million. So for those that don't know, the Rams currently in, in L.A. previously were in St. Louis, and I believe left in 2017 because that's when this lawsuit started. So I believe my timetable is correct on that. Um, apparently there was a breach of contract. There was a bunch of different, like, things that the league and the Rams, the league as a whole and the Rams as an organization, did that breached a lot of agreements that they had with the city. And so it's been an ongoing lawsuit for four years, and, all the court things were looking like the NFL and the Rams were very much in the wrong. So it, they, ended, they ended up settling for $790 million in damages to the city. So there's two um, things I want to talk to you about that. Uh, a question I want to ask you related to this. One, what do you think about this uh, settlement in terms of what do you think was a good idea for the NFL to settle it? Should they have fought? Do you think the city... Dessert, was this a fair number for the city? And then two, and the thing I think the more interesting question is, this obviously stems from a city that felt hurt, a smaller market city, uh, a team, you know, an, a rich owner leaving a loyal fan base to go to a big market like L.A. We've seen this in a lot of things, like the Jersey Nets moving to Brooklyn, a bunch of other teams, like, moving around throughout different leagues. I'm kind of curious if you think that this – will empower small markets to have more negotiating power or you think that the NF, that these owners of teams will continue to just move the teams wherever they want. So those are my two questions for you related to this story. Well, it's funny that you brought up the Brooklyn Nets because again, they they went from uh, New York, New Jersey to Brooklyn, New York. But when you look at it from, you know, the topic of the the Rams moving from St. Louis to LA, they were originally LA. So they were originally the Los Angeles Rams. They moved to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, you're right. You know, bigger market, more pay for play if you're the if you're the Rams in a bigger market. So you move back to LA because you as an organization are suffering. You know, you're not a great team. You know, the, at the, the time they were not right yes. there. Mm-hmm. At the time, right now, oh my God, completely different story. But back then, as the St. Louis Rams. Not much success came your way. You no, know, maybe not in recent few, years. No, not since Kurt Warner. Years, but for the most part, it was not a great, um, a State. great experience. Yeah, outside of the Kurt Warner years, it was not great over there in St. Louis. No, 
And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of blurry on kind of all the details when it comes to this settlement. I mean, $790 million is a lot of money. Um, so for the, for the you city. want me to explain a little bit more the justification what, at least? So, what ha- so obviously they had to tear the stadium down and everything that, that went down. So it's most so the de- so that settlement was reached to primarily for two reasons, and I want to be clear. Uh, disclaimer: I am not a legal expert. This is not like you know, and like there, but like from all the information I read, this is you're just some guy in a GC who had in a flannel. But um, so basically, it's two things. So it's one, it's breach of contract. It's that apparently they had. I think a contract with the stadium, and I think with the NFL. I don't know the full details of the contract, but basically they sort of just left con- their contract high and dry. And so basically a portion of the money was owed from that. What comes on top of that is once you breach the contract and you're guilty of that, people can ca- pay for extra damages you suffer beyond that contract be broken. And the case of St. Louis, that's four years of restaurants, concessions, like and like whatever tax percentage of ever whatever – Fans would go in whatever tax money, whatever percentage of taxes of the, if they were there four years, they could add that on top. Granted, we the settlement seven hundred ninety million. I'm I am not aware enough of the uh, the economics of sports teams, especially in small in smaller markets like a St. Louis, to know if that number is accurate or if that was more just an NFL doesn't want a PR nightmare of getting sued and maybe actually having to force the Rams back to St. Louis. I don't, uh, for like a year or two or any other, or like maybe have other cases come up or other cities sue them. They just wanted to like nip it in the butt. I don't know if it was a fair deal or not. I am not, I don't know the economics enough, but that was sort of the two big things that led to that big $790 million settlement number. Yeah. Okay. So that makes a lot more sense to me. I, I think mm-hmm. St. Louis has a legitimate grudge against Roger Goodell in the NFL. I th- I, th- I think they make, made the right decision to settle because if they didn't, like you, you look at St. Louis as a smaller market. I think St. Mm-hmm. Louis is kind of medium. Yeah. It's not above, the super small yeah. market. It's not I a think, buffalo. I think it's above mm-hmm. small, maybe even above medium. Mm-hmm. I think St. Louis is a legitimate market. I, I, they brought in big players in the past. You talk about Kurt Warner in the, in the time that the Rams were there. Look at mm-hmm. Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado with the Cardinals, Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina. No, they, uh, yeah, they're definitely not, you know, a Oak, a Buffalo, a Green Bay. They're definitely not a, a San Antonio. They're not a they're not, not a tiny market by any means. It's just they're not one of the top 10, 15 largest cities in terms of at least – um, sports-wise in the country. They're in sort of that second tier. Correct. They've uh, they've had a lot of success, too, so mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to put them down, but I definitely think it's no, the, right choice, the right choice in this environment and this time that, that we're in. You know, Roger Goodell's got bigger fish to fry than I think mm-hmm. in the settlement. I think this was something that he looked at. Obviously, it was a burden. It was a problem, but at the same Four time, years. when you look at yeah. everything else going on, let, let's just settle this. This this doesn't have to be a problem. Let's just put out this fire while we can. No, I agree. I, I think the only thing that surprises me a little bit is that they took them four years to settle. I think they I think the NFL really believed they could have won this case. And I think when you know recent reports came out, I believe around this time last year, that sort of divulged new information and made it clear that at the very least, it would be a much stronger case on the part of the city of St. Louis. If not, you know, probably a jury might find them, might find them right in their damage claims. I did. That's the one thing I do think is interesting. I don't, I think you could have paid a much smaller amount had you not waited four years. Mm. I just, I, I'm kind of curious why wait for four years just to settle. I, I feel like if you were going to settle, you would have done that earlier, which makes me believe the NFL either thought that St. Louis would stop pursuing it. They would just drop the charges as the, you know, as the NFL lawyers just, you know, keep bugging them. They just, they, the city gives up or they thought they would genuinely win the case. I'm not sure which, but that's the only part of the situation yeah. that's a little odd to me. Yeah. I mean, when you put it that way, that just proves that the NFL were losers in this case. And it took them four years to, mm-hmm. to finally accept that. I wonder yeah. like what they thought that they could have done to adapt mm-hmm. and potentially come out on top in this case. Yeah. 
I definitely because because now that the the case is settled, a lot more information will become public in the coming weeks and so we might revisit the subject when we know more. But I'm very interested to see some of the the information that comes out now that this case is settled and a lot more of those documents made public. Hey, before we leave, I want I want to get your take on something. What is given that this is a festive show? Thanksgiving edition on Turkey Day. We got three football games coming your way. Remember to make your picks at betonline.ag by using that 50% uh, discount bonus by using the promo code capital B-L-E-A-B-50 to get your 50% bonus. What is your favorite Thanksgiving sports holiday? Thanksgiving sports holiday? Like Yeah, I know mine. I know two of mine. Thanksgiving sports holiday. I'll go first so I can let okay. you think. The Mark Sanchez butt fumble at the time was not one of my favorite. But looking back at it, I'm like, that is such a historic, historic play and a historic snap and event. Uh, the Jets getting wiped out. The final score is 59 to 14 that night at MedLife Stadium against the New England Patriots. That was the year after they beat the Patriots in the AFC divisional round at Gillette to go to the AFC championship game. That was, that was late 2011, that game. I'm aware. I'm aware. And then about four years later, I decided I can't do this anymore. I'm going to the Dallas Cowboys and became a Dallas Cowboys fan. That is my mm-hmm. second favorite Thanksgiving moment. I did that on Thanksgiving Day. Mm-hmm. So what is your favorite Thanksgiving uh, sports moment? Probably in football, most likely. It's probably football. Okay. Uh, I actually really, I, I, I like rooting against the Cowboys. And so, uh, seeing them lose to the Washington football team when they were, I think like 10 point favorites going in and they lost by, I think like 10 last year, pretty handily. I think it was also in Jerry world. If I'm not mistaken, it was in. So that one was, was good joining me, especially because the time of year last year, it was like, you know, it was COVID was still a thing. It was just a nice little pick me up. So that's a recent one that I really liked. Um, Let's be honest. They always lose on Thanksgiving. I, I like, went four years ago. They lost to the Chargers in a game that they had no business losing. They lost to the Bills two years ago. They lost to Washington last year. Who knows? Yeah. Their car might go in and just run roughshod over that tomorrow. I don't remember what year it is. And I don't remember who they play. This is very vague. But – I want to say somewhere around five, six years ago, maybe that's not accurate, maybe it's longer, maybe it's a little more recent, there was a Packers game where Aaron Rodgers just played out of his mind on Thanksgiving. I It's so foggy in my head. I just remember. I remember because I literally spit stuffing onto, out of my mouth onto my grandma. It was embarrassing, but I was just like through just an incredible, like fucking escape from the pocket and an incredible pass. I just went, I was just like, so stunned. I actually spit take in real life, but I, I I'll have to like think about it to remember which oh, how you know which what, Thanksgiving. One of my was. favorite Thanksgiving moments is I don't know why this reminded me of that. That's a mm-hmm. great moment, but it's when Mike Tomlin or it was what was his defensive coordinator or the special teams uh, person on the Pittsburgh Steelers tripped the Miami Dolphins player on the kickoff return. That's right. That was on oh, Thanksgiving, right? That was a Thanksgiving. I think that you're right. I think that was a Thanksgiving game. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, once, good we find, once we find the footage for this to put in post, I'll, I'll know the name. Uh, but it was, um, I forget the player. I'm going to look it up right now. Stall for me. while, while, while Stall for you? Stall. All right. Uh, I'm stalling. I am using the word stalling to stall for a time. Oh, I see. Tell the, audience a cool, tell the audience a cool fact about yourself. A cool fact about myself? I was going to more comment on your room. I see that Yankees mannequin over there. That pop Mariano in. Rivera. We got Stephanie McMahon, WWE. We got Ooh. AJ Lee and Daniel Bryan. We got Brock Lesnar. That Speaking. one is and Shawn Michaels. We got The Rock. Oh, my God. We got Clint Frazier, who just got released by the New York Yankees. We got to interview him on the show a few years ago. He uh, He's now a free agent, which is very, very depressing. <laughs> I think he has a lot of potential. But, okay, revisiting uh, the Steelers-Ravens and Mike Tomlin's sideline uh, sidestep in 2013. So it was Mike Tomlin who tripped okay. him. Um, 
Let's see. Jacoby Jones was in his third week with the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2015 when he walked into the team meeting Thanksgiving morning and couldn't believe his eyes. So um, it was Mike Tomlin who tripped the guy. Was it Jacoby Jones? Yeah. So Jacoby Jones is the guy returning the kick. And he got tripped up by Mike Tomlin. That was a Thanksgiving game. That's kind of was Thanksgiving Steelers Ravens rivalry game. In Baltimore. That might be my favorite, actually. That one was just so so because I actually love Mike Tomlin, but like that was the one moment where I just couldn't defend Mike Tomlin. Because I'm a big Mike Tomlin defender. He has about a losing season, yeah, the Steelers. I know some people in this in the Pittsburgh media and other people are not fans of him. I'm a big Mike Tomlin fan, but I love that some moment so much. I remember like some of my friends that like hate Mike Tomlin, other like people I know just were like, What do you have to say about this? And I just had to sit there and laugh because I'm like yeah, there's no defending that. He just – the worst part is, if I'm remembering, like, in the video correctly, he's literally doing, like, this thing where you're like, oh, what? And he's, like, he's, like, doing his eyes, like, oh, and then he, like, scurries off like that. Like, he just didn't know what he was doing. Uh, it was it, it was very indefensible and very unsportsmanlike of him, but it was so funny because he, he literally looked like a kid stealing cake, a cookie from a candy uh, – cookie from the cookie jar. It was really – that's a good one. I like that moment. It was, maybe it was Will I Am disguised as Mike Tomlin. Oh, my God. We're doing this theory again. I still, Will I still I think they're the same person. They have the same exact birthday. Uh, well, same I, exact birthday. Yeah, yeah. So, with our Will I Am tripping a Ravens player segment out of the way, Jack, I'll let you close us out. Thank you all for a great Thanksgiving uh episode jack yeah happy thanksgiving uh healthy and happy holiday to all uh enjoy your stuffing enjoy your turkey enjoy your your marshmallow sweet potatoes if you make that some people do some people don't maybe your your your, uh, tuna casserole that some people make i don't know is there anything special that you make zach you contribute Uh, at all nothing nothing too much one thing i convinced uh this year this is a one-time thing because you know supply Chinese cheese and turkey, and I'm a big fan of uh, Chinese food, I convinced my family to get duck. So the thing we're bringing to our big is we're going to have turkey there as well, but we are also bringing duck for the first time ever this Thanksgiving, and I'm a very happy boy as a result. We're going to have duck at the Kelly house (laughs) this Thanksgiving. Uh, But remember to use that promo code, capital B-L-E-A-V-5, using betonline.ag get sign up for your 50 percent bonus zach turn out the lights on this thanksgiving so everybody can get to the dinner table thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.